this week on Dig Me Out. Patrons pick Patreon pick Jay from our love it, love group it of patrons that uh, support the podcast over at patreon.com forward slash dig me out. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and introduce our guest for this week, Dewey Cole. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. That was me doing my excited announcer voice, like, you know, <laughs> like you're coming Intro. down the aisle on the price is right. <laughs> you really picked up the energy. Yeah. <laughs> um, before Dewey tells us what album he picked, I want to mention that we are back partnered with Studio for the month of May. Uh, we are going to be talking about our, I guess you'd say, um, uh, long-term reviews of the uh, Studio Regent and Trey headphones that we were uh, checking out in the fall and then in the early this year. Um, and then we've also got a surprise, Jay. We do a quarterly contest, a giveaway to our Patreon subscribers. It's coming early this time. It's going to be in May. And what we're giving away is a pair of Regent headphones. These are pretty sweet, Jay. Dang. These retail for 99 bucks. Um, and this is our biggest prize, right? This is without a doubt our, our biggest and best prize we've ever done. And all you have to do is be a Patreon subscriber by midnight on May 15th. And then we will announce the winner on the show on May 22nd. So we'll record. So the 15th is when signups end. We'll record the show on the 16th. I'll do my magic, edit it, make it sound nice and pretty for the air for our listeners. And I'll post it on the 22nd, which is the Tuesday, episode 384, I believe, will be that episode. And we'll announce the winner. So all you got to do is be a Patreon subscriber by going to patreon.com forward slash dig me out. And of course, you can check out studio at studio.com. And we'll we'll get into our actual uh, revisitation of the studio tray earphones later on in the show. But we're going to get to uh, what Dewey picked for our review this week. Take it away, Dewey. All right. So uh, I actually had a few albums that were in my head. So we put up a poll on the website and the two albums were uh, Proximity Effect by Not A Surf, which came out 20 years ago this year. And also a, a record uh, by the band Union, which also came out 20 years ago this year. I thought those would be good choices. Unfortunately, Union lost. They lost another poll, too. So I guess they just didn't have a chance in hell this year. But that's all right. <laughs> Poor John Karabi. I think he's doing OK, though. But uh, so <laughs> So Not A Surf was the, was the one that was chosen. And uh, history with the record, I actually did not hear it when it came out, uh, which is strange because I did purchase uh, High Low when it came out back in 96. Um, Popular was a very, very big song that summer. I'm sure you guys remember seeing it on MTV all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did go buy the CD when it came out. And I always liked it, but I wasn't in love with it. It wasn't anything that just, you know, 
grabbed me and just I just fell in love with it. So I always liked it, but I wasn't like a huge fan. And then uh, I'd never heard about Proximity Effect when it came out. There was a lot of label issues when it was released, and they didn't actually release it in the States uh, in 98. I think it was released here in 99. But uh, I ended up seeing them. I won guest list to one of their shows. They would do this email guest list thing back in 2000 and 2001. And they actually picked my name from a, for, from a guest list to see them at the Beachland Ballroom in Cleveland. And uh, they were actually playing the front room there, which was this really small area. And uh, they emailed me and said I was on the uh, guest list if I wanted to bring a friend. So uh, I, I called my friend Chris and I said, hey, man, do you remember that song, Popular? We should go see these guys. They're playing the front room of the Beachland, Beachland Ballroom. He's like, yeah, let's go, you know. So we got in our car in Toledo. We drove the two hours to Cleveland. And uh, they ended up playing, obviously, a lot of material from Proximity Effects. Well, not a lot, but a handful of songs. And uh, they were also played a lot of stuff off of Let Go, which was still being written at that time. So not knowing the songs that were played, it made me go pick up Proximity Effects. Now, I was let down at part of the reason, because I was hearing these songs off Let Go that were still being written that I thought were on Proximity Effects. So I was kind of upset that those songs were nowhere to be found, but I didn't know that at the time. But um, buying Proximity Effects... I just fell in love with it much more than I had with high, high, low, just because there's a lot more to it. Uh, there is, to me, it's just more melodic. Um, there's a, uh, the songwriting in my opinion is just, is just a step up from high, low, high, low is more of a garage band. I thought, and I thought proximity effect was them coming into their own. And it was also a glimpse of what they came to be in the two thousands with some of the better material, in my opinion, like let go and wait as a gift. Believe it or not, in my opinion, are better records, but I thought this would be a good conversation because this is, in my opinion, the, the start of what made Not A Surf great was with this record. Gotcha. And that's pretty much where I am with the album, so my history with it. And just briefly, so in case people don't know, the band is from New York City. It is Matthew Cause, Daniel Lorca, Ira Elliott, and Doug Gilliard, and they've uh, they haven't always been a four piece. They're actually on high low. They were a three piece, and I don't know on proximity effect were they a three piece or a four piece. They were still a three piece. Doug actually joined them in 2012. Okay, so, yeah. So Jay, did you get this record when it came out, or what was your, what's your history with the band? No, I didn't get into them until Let Go. But this was um, I I started listening to this not f- far after that. Um, but yeah, Let Go is really the album for me that I discovered them and started following them from that point forward. See, I actually didn't really get into them until The Weight is a Gift. And I don't I think it was because Chris Walla was involved with that record. Yeah, and that record yeah. So yeah. I think that's what clued me into to checking them out. And then I went backwards and have listened to every record that's come out uh, since then. So... Let's get into it. Let's talk. Well, actually, before we do, the vote was 75-25. So I think we got to put a cap on Union. Union can't be a part of any more polls since they've lost two. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> Unless someone's got 35 bucks out there. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, we got a comment. Darren Svedson said, Tough Call, Not A Surf's 2003 album, Let Go, is still one of my favorites of the decade, but this album of theirs did not keep my attention the vote goes to union as i love both karabi's work on the motley crew 94 album as well as kubulik's 
Stint and Kiss. Got to go with the Rockers on this one. Sorry, Darren. You can suggest Union on a fu- as a future pick if you'd like, but uh, it you didn't. Can. I appreciate that if you do. Yeah, it did not uh, did not make it. So let's talk about this record. Came out like we said, uh, sort of in ninety eight, ninety nine, depending on where you were in the uh, on the planet at that point. It was originally going to be released on Electra, like you mentioned, and then it ended up they self released it on their own label called mar dev um when they had a spat with the label about what was a single and what wasn't a single and uh the label said we don't hear any singles and they were like well we're done and we're not recording any covers to turn them into singles so uh that was the end of that so is this not a sophomore slump candidate oh for sure for sure are you saying because they had an ep before high low well they did I don't know that Hilo sold in terms of what what its actual sales were. I like to go with records that at least went gold on the on the um, on the debut, so that there's an album component, like an album sales component. I know they had a, a you know one single, but I don't know if that actually you know boosted them up to being. I'd have to look and see what the. Uh, all right, well, yeah, you'd have to look. So. Yeah, I don't remember what the sales... I know that Popular was extremely successful that summer. It was one of those MTV Buzzbin hits. All, yeah, all... made it to number 11 um, on the modern rock charts, and the album made it to number 63. So, and I don't see sales numbers, which to me means it probably did not sell in the gold range, probably looking at like two or 300,000 as opposed to half a million. So I don't I don't know there's enough of it to be there a slump. But gotcha. it's, it's definitely an, it would it would be an option. But now it's it's, a, it's, it's all discussion. music. Yeah, it's all music rating isn't great either. It's only three stars. Yeah. So, I, I, always, okay. I, I always thought that these guys and Super Drag kind of had the same path in the 90s where they both released an album in 96. They had a big single. And then they had to release a sophomore record with uh, immense pressure from the label and then the label essentially gave up on him. I mean, it's kind of the same story. Um, I always thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wait, and what was the label that put out super drags? Uh, I think it was Electra, wasn't it? I think Electra. It was yeah. Just like this. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. But. Jay, tell me one thing you like about the proximity effect. Well, this is a band, um, if you were to engineer using an algorithm, a band that I'd like, this is one of the uh, possibilities you could come up with. So it's got all the elements I like. Um, Good singer, melodic, uh, pop, for the most part, pop song structure, um, really use guitars in a dynamic way. Um. You know, solid drumming can be creative, uh, very dynamic. So I think I'll focus on the the dynamics. This is one of the first bands I think that went from the quiet, uh, loud dynamic to the quiet, loud, louder dynamic. So they do like, and you hear it in hyperspace where the verse will be pulled back, and then the pre-chorus they bring in the you know distorted guitar, and then the chorus they go either with three distorted guitars like panned or they'll even bring in swap to 
like clean, heavily affected guitars, but they're still like mixed big. So you get this really cool effect of, you know, this dynamic lift of like, you don't think the song can get any bigger and then boom, it does. So I think this is one of the first records I remember hearing at the time that really pulled that off in a a really effective way without it. It doesn't get noisy. Um, You know, it stays pretty clean and straightforward, but they really do layer uh, the instruments in order to create that dynamic effect, which I am a sucker for every time I hear it. So um, I enjoyed that revisiting the record, uh, just kind of listening to how they put it together, how they structured the songs. Um, I'm a big fan of his voice. I think that would be the other thing that I like about the record. He's, He's in the higher register, but it's um, still it's not nasally or annoying or, you know, sometimes singers that are in that space, um, you get you get tired of them pretty quick. But I think he's so melodic that um, it really helps him cut through the music, sort of the tone of his voice. Um, And he can deliver in a lot of different ways, too, which is good. So, yeah, there's some there's definitely some stuff here to like. Yeah, I want to uh, echo both those points and then add, I really like what they do guitar-wise on this record because, you know, they are essentially a, you know, a power pop band in a lot of ways, although they're not driven by a lot of harmonies. He does some harmonizing with himself, um, but as a three-piece, I don't I don't know that they're, the other guys are singing at all. Um, I think it's pretty much just Matthew Cause. And... Um, he does so much guitar wise and I'm sure that's a lot of studio stuff, but like you mentioned when they kick on the distortion in the choruses, I mean, it gets big. There is a, there's a lot of layering going on and it sounds really good. The tones are really nice. They do a good job. Like you mentioned on hyperspace, doubling up that chorus, turning into basically like a two part chorus. And they do that a couple other times um, where they get really cool, uh, fuzzy tones like on firecracker has some really cool guitar tones on it. And it just really elevates this band from being, I get sometimes power pop just stays a little too clean and too, uh, safe in some ways. And I like it when the, when the edges get a little rough and they really push the, the fuzz and and the thickness of, um, the mid range on a lot of the tunes that I really like. We're going to talk very briefly here about our experiences with the Trey earphones. We've had them now for a couple months, and uh, where our initial reviews were positive, and we have enjoyed working with Studio, both with regards to the Trey and the Regent headphones. So this week we're going to spend talking about the Trey headphones. Uh, I'll, I'll just start, Jay. Um, I finally got to use them to mow the lawn. 
I didn't know if it was going to happen or not. Yeah. Because we've just been had snow for so long. Finally <laughs> so stopped long. snowing long it, enough to mow the lawn. Yeah, basically it like stopped snowing on a Wednesday. And on Friday, I was like, I think the grass is dry enough and the ground is, is dry enough that I can actually run the mower. So he was able to throw them on and mow. And um, it, they were exactly what I was hoping for because I used to use earbuds when I would mow. And it yeah. would constantly slip out while I was uh, mowing because yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of the vibrations. Yep. You know, I, I'm and the, and the and the cord would get caught on the mower. Like you'd yeah. bend down to do something, and it, you would stand up, and it like get caught on the mower, and then the earbuds would like explode out of your ears. Yep. They they constantly <laughs> were getting pulled out of my ears. It drove me nuts. Yeah. So yeah, now I got to use them. Finally, uh, about a, about a week ago when I mowed. Nice. And um, yeah, it was great. And they they do a good job of blocking the not blocking entirely the the sound of the mower mm-hmm. but um cutting that down significantly while also like i can still hear you know like people around me not that there's a lot of people around me while i'm mowing but uh just that you know big audience yeah you know <laughs> i like to cut a diagonal so people oh like to, you know, people like to watch when i do that you're a show off i do i am well you know i had to go with a baseball cut i call it no. Oh, uh, so I've been using mine for uh, a similar type thing. I'm not mowed lawn, but I got uh, – I won't go on a tangent, but I bought something called a one wheel. I'll let you go Google that. It's O-N-E-W-H-E-E-L. It's basically a skateboard with a go-kart wheel in the middle of it. Uh, and what this allows me to do is basically snowboard through my neighborhood without any snow. So these are awesome for doing something like that because I can put them on. I got some tunes playing, but I'm not so blocked out from the rest of the world that I'm like going to get hit by a car or like get, you know, not pay attention to what the hell's going on. Um, so yeah, I was cruising around the last couple weekends just doing that going off on trails and stuff and just had tunes playing and they never fell out. They're nice and sturdy. Um, I have the white ones too. And I was expecting the the white to kind of get like gruddy, cruddy looking like mm-hmm. dirty and stuff. And they look like they're brand new, like really impressed with how well they they're wearing. So and even the parts that go in your ears, like they don't get like funky and stuff. If you know what I mean? Like they right. still look like brand new. Um, so yeah, they're great for that. They're great for act being active. Like, I guess I agree. Yeah. I did wipe mine down. Um, cause I, <laughs> after having snow on a Wednesday, we had 79 degrees on a Friday. So when yeah. I went to mow, it was actually really hot out for comparatively. Cause it was, you know, 32 degrees. Um, so I actually did sweat. So when I got inside, I did wipe the, I took the little piece off and wiped it. Yeah. So it was, you know, instantly clean, which was nice. Uh, which, you know, with earbuds, I would, I hated those because they had those little holes and I would like use like, Oh yeah. I would use like the end of like a, um, paper clip to like dig out the earwax, (laughs) which is totally disgusting. Those are nasty. Those are nasty. Um, so yeah, I've, I've happy that I have those now for the summer. Um, I don't, uh, I don't do a lot of active stuff, but I'm planning on getting my, gym membership going again so and hopefully 
will be going to the gym with them soon. So maybe I'll have an update for that. But I want to remind everybody they can go to studio.com to pick up a pair of studio regent or tray or whatever they want to pick up. Those are the ones that we've. They have new. Uh, they have new wireless ones that have no cord. So they're just two little earbuds that go in your ears with no. They're like the AirPods from Apple, but they don't have those stupid like white sticks that stick down. They're oh, I hate those. Yeah. Super clean. Like you barely even can see that you have headphones in. So that's their new model up on the site. Uh, you can also go on Facebook and on Twitter and on Pinterest to Studio Sweden is S U D I O Sweden, and then on Instagram just Studio. And I want to mention for the month of May, you can use the code Dig Me Out. That's D I G M E O U T for fifteen percent off your purchase in the month of May when you use that code. And of course, we'll be giving away. On episode 384, a pair of Regent headphones. Very cool. Got to be signed up by midnight, May 15th at Patreon. Mother's Day is coming up. Come on. Yeah, perfect. You look pretty sweet if you gave your wife or your mom some new uh, earbuds and wireless. <laughs> You'd be in with our discount code. You're in under 100 bucks for those. That's yeah. a pretty good gift. I'm That's just a saying. good gift. All right, let's get back into the show. My coat, you behind my coat, and my belt, you behind my coat, and all that. I don't want it back, I don't want it back. His vocal, I just want to mention that real quick. Um, he's able to do that like high voice that there was a couple songs where he reminded me a lot of like Alex Chilton uh, in like classic big star mode where he was able to sell melodies and hooks that were pretty sweet and um, in the power pop range. So I definitely dug that. And I think, I think that's the thing that, keeps the band interesting throughout the entire career is just that he's able to write really good melodies and hooks uh, on, on top of what are sometimes pretty, you know, not complicated songs. So do let me ask you uh, what's one thing that really works for you on this record? Well, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, the reason that this record stood out to me is because I was, I only knew them from high low at the time. Right. So I, as of everybody else who heard this record for the first time, so when I went into it and I heard songs like 80 Windows, which I, I still think is one of their best songs to this day, um, they still play that live at almost every show if you go see them. <clears throat> I mean, it's just a beautiful song. It's very, it's very sad. You, you, you notice a lot of the songwriting on here is very kind of depressing. Um, it's great if you're uh, going through some loss. That's actually the first time I heard it, I was. So that's probably why it clicks so well with me. Um, but a lot of the slower stuff, like 80 Windows, Troublemaker, Daniel sings Troublemaker, does a beautiful job. It's got a great ending. Um, that stuff kind of stood out to me because at the time, I didn't expect it from them. So that's kind of what jumped out at me. But yeah, just like you guys said, Hyperspace, I mean, that song is uh, 
that's a burner when they play it live and they still that's another one they still play live they uh i saw them open up for brand new this past fall and i think they only got 40 minutes but uh, they definitely played that one and it was really cool to hear so yeah well how are they opening for brand new i don't know brand new was selling out pretty large theaters so i was happy to see it for not a serve brand new has a pretty big audience so i'm not surprised yeah i've heard people like People mentioned them. I, I don't know. That was just a band that just never was well, they, on my radar. Yeah, they came late. I was actually never really a fan until I saw them. And I'm still not really a fan, to be honest. I mean, they're okay. But um, I, I want to say their first record was 99 or 2000 or something. So they're kind of a little bit later, mm. maybe in the early 2000s. But uh, yeah, not a surf, unfortunately. They, uh, they're they pretty much playing clubs and and uh, small theaters and, and whatnot even today. But they're one of those great accessible bands where you can go see him and talk to Matthew after the show and he'll take his acoustic out and even play for the people that wait around after to talk. I mean, it's, it's great. So, um, speaking of acoustics, you mentioned 80 windows. I really like the use. There's some acoustic in that song and there's like plucked, uh, strings. Yeah. It happened. It's really, really subtle, but it's really nice and it adds a nice layer to that track. Um, it's a, it's, you know, the, there's not a ton of production trickery on this record, but that's just one of those things where it sounds like they put a little extra effort into the production of that tune. Yeah, I thought the songwriting was really a step up from from. I mean, I, I still love High Low. It's it's a great one to jam every once in a while. But I just thought songs like Eighty Windows and um, uh, Let Me Spooky is another example. I, I just thought the songwriting was much much better than than High Low, and it, they were really kind of coming into their own at this time. And like you guys mentioned earlier with Let Go, which I still think is their is their finest record to date, I thought this was a good precursor to that because it kind of showed showed you where they were going. So Yeah, the- it's it's definitely the transition record. Because I I missed this record and I picked up again at Let Go. And for me it was it was bizarre when I heard the band talked about and then listened to it. I was like, How is this the same band that did popular? Like I don't <laughs> like are is this for real? What's going yeah. on here? That's true. That's very true. It blew me away too when I first heard it. Yeah. But when you listen to the rest of the record, it's it's that puzzle piece in the middle that made that you kind of get it. Right. And and I would love to hear you guys review Let Go, but unfortunately it's the wrong decade. So I that's why I wanted to make sure to I put this in for the vote because I thought it'd be a good conversation. So we gotta get that dig me out two thousands going. Right. Right. <laughs> um, hey, just a couple more patrons. Let's yeah, do yeah. It. yeah. So uh, I just, in terms of some of the things that didn't work, one of the issues I have, there's there's two main issues I have with this record. One is it's too long at 14 tracks. I I there's a lot of fat in the middle of this record. Mm-hmm. Um, also, yeah, it's I, the, the, almost the, an hour. Yeah, the and for this type of record, that's way too long. But the tr- the way that this is sequenced, I do not understand the sequencing of this record. They have. Sleep, sleep fighting and spooky at the end of the record, and to me those are easily like album starters. Like those are really good songs, both singles. I, like sleep fighting to me is a is a single, and it's down at at the end of the record. I don't understand why they put those at the end of the record. I, and or I well, I can know. actually I can actually answer that for you. I'm not sure if this is on any of the Wikipedia pages or not, but. The last two tracks were not on the original release that were released in Europe. I think it was released in Europe first in 98. Again, I'd have to check. This is off my memory. But tracks 13 and 14 were not on the original issue. 
I think there was a song called Why Are You So Mean to Me that was on there instead, okay. which was supposed to be the single, which is a cover, if, if I right. recall. Right, that's one of the covers, yeah. Right, and then when they reissued it in the States, they took that off, which I think is a, I think it's a B-side, and either a B-side or it's on a soundtrack. I forget where it was eventually released in the States, but um, Silent Fighting and Spooky were added on the U.S. release. So, I, again, those are kind of bonus tracks, they... But I agree. I, I think Spooky is one of the best songs on the entire record, and having a track 14 is kind of silly. makes no sense to me because then to me the from mother's day through the voices that part of the record kind of gets samey to me um there's a lot of mid-tempo stuff there and um i don't like this band when they get aggressive like they do on um like mother's day and Dispossession, I think, is the other one. Yeah. Um, I, I this band, his voice does not work to me. Angry or or agitated, it just doesn't sound right to me. So when I look at the record in terms of like what what tracks were working for me and what wasn't, that's where I have that's where I like sort of have a big blank spot. I don't know, Jay. What what are your feelings yeah. on what didn't work? Yeah, I'm with you on that stuff. I, I think. Uh, it doesn't once you can hear what this band can do from a pop standpoint, you just want I don't know, I want more of that and I want less of the garage band. Um they don't sound as unique when they're in that more aggressive mode either. Yeah. So um yeah, I, I lose a little bit there. I agree that the, the middle section of this record for me gets a little samey. Um I think a lot of the verses are stronger than the choruses. Um, while the dynamics are there, and I think musically it's everything's in place. I think just vocally, the melodies and hooks aren't there for some of these choruses um, for them really to pay off. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where my biggest critique is. Just there's so much promise here from a songwriting standpoint, but they're just not quite to the, the level they get to on Let Go. Yeah, um, and that's where you're mentioning this is a transition record. Really makes sense to me. Like I can hear where they were going with the next record. And how they transitioned from the previous record. It's just like, it's like not all together. 
but there's definitely like hints of it in a lot of these tracks. So Dewey, what about you? Are there, are there particular songs or parts of the record or overall things that don't work for you? Um, trying to think if there's any, I mean, the song mother's day, I'm just going to touch on that for a minute because Matthew actually, uh, I follow him on Twitter and, and on Facebook and during the me too movement last year that you really couldn't avoid if you have access to the internet, it was pretty much everywhere. Uh, he made mention of that song because uh, the lyrics are you know, essentially about, you know, uh, taking advantage of women and, and, you know, forcing them to do into doing things and whatnot. So he, he made a pretty lengthy post about that song. And he, he, I wish I actually had it. I'd read it to you guys. But anybody listening could go look it up, I'm sure. But he mentioned that uh, if he could rewrite that song, he would, because at the time he thought he was writing a single and he was trying to write to a single as far as getting it on the radio. And in retrospect, you know, 18 or 19 years later, if he would have slowed it down and built this, built the song differently, it would have been a much better song. So I, I kind of agree with that. I, I think that just like you said, when they get a little aggressive, it's kind of a little overdone and it just doesn't sound right. Um, so that's, that's one that I, I would kind of agree with you guys. And I still love the song, but it would have been interesting to hear if he wrote it a different way, you know? Yeah. It's just when he gets aggressive, he starts to almost like speak, sing in <laughs> right. some of it. And I, it almost becomes rapping and I'm like, this is not working. Yeah, it's like the verse is unpopular, you know, which I still remember. I still have that memorized from 1996. And that's an, I mean, for for being a novelty sort of single, that's fine. Yeah. That's because I don't take it as seriously as what he's trying to do on Mother's Day. and and, and It's a very serious subject. So, I mean, I hear what you're saying. There's a a few songs on here, like Slow, um, isn't no robot uh, also kind of approaches that sh- subject as well. So, but that, in my opinion, that's a better song than Mother's Day. I always liked Robot quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so that one works better. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. So, it's nineteen ninety eight. This record comes out. It doesn't even make it. It doesn't even get released here until yeah. two thousand, actually, with the reissue. I don't know that it would have had a chance to be honest to make any sort of, I, I, I mean, I kind of see what Electra was saying in retrospect. I don't know that there's a, there's a single that would have fit 1998. Um, you needed another popular, another like novelty ish kind of single. And these are all, there are, there are some really, really strong singles. And then there are some album tracks, I guess you'd say. Do you but guys have any, you guys have any picks for what you would have chose for the lead single? <sighs> Maybe hyperspace or yeah. Um, this is always an interesting conversation I have with people about what was your choice for the single for the record that failed. You know, it's always it's always a good conversation to have because <laughs> I'm sure bands go through this all. Maybe the time. spooky. Yeah, but the thing is that wasn't even on the original edition, so that wouldn't. Yeah. Have been- but I mean, I like Firecracker, well, a catchy song. Um, yeah, I'm not shocked that it didn't do anything, but I, I still like the song. Yeah, that's a hard one because of the temp. That like swinging tempo mm-hmm. uh, does not. I don't know that would work as a U.S. single. Yeah, well, I, like lyrically, Bacardi would have been like what radio would have wanted. Like it has the novelty element to it, but musically, it's too weird. Yeah, I keep forgetting uh, it was 1998. So by then we had Limp Biscuit on the radio and 
and uh, radio was changing at that time. So yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. Maybe it would have had a better shot if it was would have been released more of the in the high low time back in '96 ish. But I don't know. But you're right. Radio was definitely changing by then, so maybe it just didn't have a shot. I don't. Yeah, maybe hyperspace is really the only one that has a, would have a shot at being a. Did you, did you guys like amateur at all? The second track, I always love that one. I do. The opening riff sounds so much like Big Star. Um, (laughs) I can hear that. Yeah, for sure. uh, It kind of like threw me for a loop. But the first time I revisited, I was like, they do that as like an homage because it really sounds like Big Star. basic chords to just you know mimic so it's not it's not like it's not hard to do that but uh i'm fairly positive they're a huge influence on matthew's songwriting i mean i would i would imagine they would have to be so that's one where i think everything about the song works it's just the chorus is just not quite there yeah so yeah i wrote that it was a nice song but it didn't overwhelm me which is which kind of got uh, a lot of this record is is that they're nice yep. songs, but they don't like kick my ass. The way <laughs> stuff on Let Go and the yep. way is a gift would. Yep. Yeah, like you mentioned earlier, I'd like also to touch on the stuff that's a little heavier on Let Go was, and I, I don't mean to talk down on an album I chose because I do love this record, but I love Let Go so much more. The songs on Let Go that are that are a little heavier, like uh, for instance, High Speed Soul, that would be a great example. Um, are just done so well. I mean, uh, oh right. my god, that song is just perfect all the way through. Um, Treading Water is another great one on that record that's heavier, um, but they just nailed it on that record. And like I said, on this one, they were a little shaky um, on some of these songs, but it just made them a better band uh, going forward. So, you know. All right, let's figure out where we stand on this record. Is it a worthy re- album? Is it a better EP or is it a decent single? Do we, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to change oh. it up. Oh, I'm actually going to get, Oh, I didn't know I was actually going to get to give You're my, you're going to get to chime in. Oh, well, yeah. of course I'm going to say it's a worthy album. These guys are okay. one of my favorites. Honestly, going through their catalog, um, all the way back to 1996, I can't think of any of their albums that I wouldn't call worthy albums. I, I'm very, their catalog is just great all the way through. 
anybody listening out there that hasn't given not a surf not a surf a chance i would highly recommend it definitely starting with let go and then kind of moving back from there or moving forward from there however you'd like is either way you go is great wait as a gift is another phenomenal release that came out in 2006 but uh yeah i mean i, I love these guys and i i would never give the i would never give any of the records a worthy ep but i'm a bit biased I'm, i've been a big fan for a while so that would be my answer jay i'm gonna give it a worthy record because this is probably a record that you enjoy more when you're not scrutinizing it as a reviewer. Um, I think I, I've enjoyed this record in the past a lot more than I did when I sat down and actually like focused and took notes and made myself scrutinize it. And when I did that, I noticed some of the flaws. Uh, and when I didn't do that, I just, um, I don't know. It's just, you get captured by the moments in it it works and there's enough going on to keep you interested and it's hooky enough, you know, to be compelling and poppy. So I think from that aspect, this is just one of those records. We've hit a couple like this where, um, you kind of don't do them justice by trying to scrutinize them. You're just better off enjoying it. Like you really enjoy music, like just put it on and, you know, maybe you're doing something else and you'll find yourself enjoying it quite a bit. So I think from that aspect, it's, it's a worthy record and, I've got more than half of it highlighted in my notes, so. Okay. Well, I'm at seven songs is what I have starred out of the 14. So I'm at half the record like you. That could yeah. be an EP. Yeah. Who releases, who releases seven track EPs? <laughs> it's a, it, That's an album. Technically, it would qualify as a mini album. Okay. If, if you wanted to go <laughs> in terms of, they used to release those mini albums. They did. What was this? Yeah. What's the mini? Give me an example of a mini album. Pretty Mighty Mighty's Normal. Okay. It's a what mini album. Two thousand two. It's seven okay. songs. All it's right. not called an EP. It's called a mini album. Actually, I've the, heard of a couple EPs. The first I've... Gaunt record is is an, a mini album. It's only like seven or eight songs. Mini album is on Wikipedia. Yeah. Interesting. I learn something new every day. Short vinyl EP. I'm sorry, for short vinyl record album or LP. Yeah. Huh. Retailing okay. at a lower price. Yeah, that's the thing. It like sells for a lower price where you call it an album, but it's not enough tracks to be an actual album. The Honey but Drippers Volume One is a mini album. Because it's only like six songs. So this, two, is a, this, is a worthy, this is a worthy mini album for Tim. <laughs> Maybe yes. the first of the first of maybe the first. Many. We have broken ground on a new term. Three hundred plus episodes in. <laughs> uh, yeah. On number three eighty one, we have reached the mini album stage. Yeah, we, we've reached oh, a complete and total grace band. Better than an EP, I'll give you that. So yeah, you know. yeah, I can't call it an EP. No, 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 it's not an EP. An EP needs like four to me, like half of it needs to be real stinkers like you like got I, i'm probably gonna skip them and there's nothing on here i'm gonna skip right. i just get a little like unfocused and bored that that's what happened with weezer i thought after pinkerton they started releasing i mean as, as far as i'm concerned uh maladroit and, and green are kind of just eps yeah. and then after that i kind of stopped caring but um and then the, the crazy thing i wanted to mention this bands like not a surf and super drag and some other great bands from that from that era. Um, 
they released some incredible stuff as the 2000s progressed and nobody noticed nobody paid attention you know it's it's a real shame i mean not a surf released some amazing stuff in the 2000s and they're still playing you know clubs that are 500 people or less on their best nights and then you have bands like weezer for instance who i apologize if there's any big fans out there who released a record like they did last year that's garbage and they're playing these pavilions with the pixies i don't understand i don't understand how that works but it is what it is i guess you know they had a big radio hit in uh in the yeah they had beverly hills a couple big ones yeah they had a big that beverly hills song which still annoys me to this day i still (laughs) it is pretty awful yes that's one of the worst songs of 2005 that's one of those uh, like now uh i almost forget that they did yeah i'm like was that them did they really do that (laughs) yeah it's like uh, it's like a joan jet rip off essentially so terrible yeah, but I mean, hey, they, they've been able to make it work and they've been able to keep putting out record after record and touring these big places. And well, it, it, like I said, in my opinion, there's so many great bands from this era that are just completely unnoticed that have released great work in the 2000s. And Not A Surf is a perfect example of this. I mean, that uh, all their stuff in the 2000s is far exceeds anything that Weezer had done. And, and they're contemporaries. They came out at the same time. Well, Weezer two years prior, I guess, 94. But they were contemporaries, all rock contemporaries in the mid '90s, and it's kind of funny to watch their paths as they continued through the 2000s. I always thought so. Yeah, and they get compared to them on like all music, which is a shame because, which is one of the reasons why this podcast exists. Because looking right. on back on history, and you know, you read an all music, you're like, yeah, Not a Surf was kind of like a Weezer band. And you're like, what? Right. Fuck you! Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're not like them at all. Like to to just generalize two bands like that completely together and be like, yeah, basically they're that's based on two songs. That's based on popular sounding like the sweater song. That's it. Yeah, that's the entirety of that comparison. Right. But you know, without people like us like dissecting this and actually spending time on it, that's pretty much what this band gets characterized. We're doing the Lord's twenty and work thirty here, years later, Jay. The Lord's <laughs> work. That's why I really. I really appreciate what you guys do in the show because you do bring to light some of those records that, like I said, people like, for instance, this record, I, a lot of people I'm sure have never heard it and they're probably curious now about it. And uh, you guys do great work. I'm being serious. You, you do great work on the show, highlighting those records that need to be heard. And if it wasn't for you guys, I mean, I wouldn't be a huge fan of that handsome record as I am now. I mean, that's one of my favorite records that I've heard in the past year, all because of you guys. So I, I appreciate that. You know, awesome. excellent. Thank yeah. you. All right, we need to wrap this up. And you say thank you, Dewey, for supporting the podcast, and thank you for the kind words, and thank you for coming on and talking with us about not a surf and and all this stuff. And uh, we look forward to all your comments on the uh, Patreon page. And, Seriously, uh, though, who's who's gonna who's gonna get that Union record? Let's go. <laughs> Let's get that done. Yes. Who, was the one that that, who was the one that left that comment, Darren or something? Darren, Darren, it's all on you, Darren. bud. Darren, that to happen. A pony up. 35 bucks. I, I ponied up a record last year. It was well worth it. You guys did a great job on it. That Violetine record did a great job. Oh, on it. nice. Yeah. 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 That's another record that I, I think I'm the only person, a couple of my friends and I are the only ones that know of that album. So I'm like, this would be a good one to send to you guys to see what you think yeah. of it. It's, I love turning people onto that album. But And now when you, uh, when you go to digmeout.com and you go to uh, digmeoutpodcast.com, duh. 
and you go to our guests page, you'll be able to link to uh, on Dewey's uh, uh, a, a guest. You'll be able to see this episode, and we should be able to link. Would, we, would that link to the? Well, he just suggested that one. That's right. So we'll have to we'll have to figure out a way to say people can link. To we that could easy. say that you were you were the special guest, even though you weren't. I'm really very, I'm very excited. I'm very excited that my picture will be up there near Chip Midnight. This is going to be. Uh, to be able to brag to all my friends about this. That's one. true. Get that bio over to us. Yes. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, do. I don't have kids interview bands, but I damn it, I have some good suggestions. So there you go. <laughs> all right, no, folks. It's, it's a good friend of mine, so I'm just kidding around. Uh, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes for Jay and Dewey and myself. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. Wow.